welcome back to the Everybody Soccer Podcast. Once again, it's your host, Bill Reno. We have back-to-back interviews with two goalkeeping legends. So last week, we talked to Tracy Noonan about her goalkeeping camp out in North Carolina called Dynasty Goalkeeping. This week, we have former MLS goalkeeper John Bush with us. Uh, he actually is playing for an NESL side right now in the 11, and he'll be starting the season pretty soon. But he was the 2008 MLS Goalkeeper of the Year. He's played for the U.S. National Team. He's played for the U.S. Youth National Teams. Uh, he's done a lot, and uh, because of that, it was kind of hard to find a uh, string of questions that were covering enough things, but also flowed well together. So it's a little bit of a shotgun approach, but uh, I think it flows okay, and it turns out all right. Uh, we talk about the 1993 U-17 World Cup, we talk about uh, the MLS CBA, and we talk about if he would be a better goalkeeper if he was six foot three towards the tail end there. So um, thanks for stopping by, and take a listen to John Bush recount his history thus far and what he's looking forward to about playing with Indy 11 this season. Hello? Hey, John, it's Bill Reno. How you doing? Hey, buddy. How are you? Doing good, doing good. I uh, catch you at a good time? Yeah, perfect, buddy. Okay, cool, uh, cool. Waiting wait for you to call and then uh, get back to our TV. So <laughs> you're good timing. Okay, perfect, perfect. Now, did you get a chance to run through those questions real quick? Or I'm, I'm, I sure did. Okay, good. I just want to make sure you're, you're mentally prepped for this as, as much as you can be. Um, yeah. well, <laughs> well, hey, why don't you start off just uh, – why don't you kind of tell a little bit about your background. Uh, let's say hypothetically someone just stumbled onto this to – to listen to this and they didn't know anything about John Bush uh, you, what, what can you say a little bit about your playing career of just where you've been uh, I've been everywhere how about that <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a long adventure you know and uh, it's been uh, pretty awesome obviously I I started with the under 17 uh, national team when I was what 14, 15, 16 back then uh, went from there to the under-20 national team. Uh, went to college at UNC Charlotte for three years. Uh, turned pro, signed with the Carolina Dynamo uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, that first season, I actually ended up going on loan up to Worcester, Massachusetts uh, in the A-League uh, so I could play more games. Um, from there, I spent the next four years in the, in the A-League. It, it, it's the same as the USL, I guess it is now. Um, after five years total of the USL, I was drafted by uh, Columbus in the MLS. Spent five years in Columbus, then went to Chicago for three years, then to San Jose for five years. Back to Chicago for a year last year, and now over to Indiana. Okay, yeah, okay, so you've been around a little bit, so. <laughs> yeah, so I've got a few jerseys. <laughs> well, good, good. Um, okay, well, I, I, I was trying to find a little bit on, I guess just a variety of topics, but I was trying to find something specifically on the, the 93 U-17 World Cup, which I cannot find anything, and which y'all actually had a pretty good performance all in all. Uh, I mean, you all got out of the group stage and you, and you lost first round. But if we had to document one thing that's been forgotten about that trip, you know, is there anything that stands out? I mean, there's, there's a lot that stands out. I think, well, first and foremost, I think the reason why you can't find it is because it was before the Internet. So uh, <laughs> nobody, really, nobody really knew about it. But uh, that was, uh, you know, that was way before residency. You know, that was back in the day where – 
you went away once a month or once every month, every other month, uh, you know, for a week, two weeks here at a time. And, and sometimes you stayed in the U.S. just to train, and sometimes you went, you know, to Europe and played tournaments or South America. Uh, the coach at that time was Roy Reese, uh, and that was the first time I met and worked with Pete Miller, Peter Miller, who is uh, a legend in the goalkeeping uh, department. Uh, and that was kind of my first real goal of having a, a, a full-time goalkeeper coach that uh, had a pedigree, such as Peter. You know, Peter played in England for many, many years. Um, and uh, I think the biggest thing that people you know don't know about that back in the day was we literally came from all over the U.S. and would come together, you know, like I said, once a month, once every other month. And, uh, and, you know, and train for a while and play and then go back to our, you know, clubs and high schools and do it again, you know, in, in the next month or a month after that. Um, you know, there was no residency program like there is now where they're, you know, they're down in Bradenton for, you know, 365 days a year or whatever it is. Um, you know, so that was, that was the start of it. I mean, the biggest thing for us is we were, we had a great team back then. Um, and, and unfortunately we got upset in the, uh, I think it was quarterfinals by Poland, um, in a game we should have won. We just unfortunately didn't, didn't play well. Um, but we, we had such a great team. So many of those players went on to, to very good college careers. Uh, that was, for me, that was kind of my first, you know, obviously my first national team experience, but also my first experience of, you know, this whole kind of professional soccer world out there. Cause you know, back then, you, know, you didn't have professional soccer in the U.S. Yeah, you had the, you know, the kind of the part-time USL stuff. I think maybe the indoor league was going on, but, you know, we, we had no MLS. We had none of that stuff. So, you know, to be able to to go to Europe or to go to England or someplace like that and, and see games and, and train at facilities of, of professional teams really opened our eyes, I think, for many of us back then when we were so young. And, and and I guess fast forward a little bit, you know, those next ten years. So so you you get a lot of exposure with the U seventeens. I mean, y'all, y'all played well, um, and, and but it's almost a decade to when you get into MLS. And so I guess I'm curious about you know what happens from being you know such a on such a high platform of the U seventeen stage. You know, going to the quarterfinals, and then uh, you, you know you end up in the A league for a little bit, and then you end up in Columbus with uh, with MLS, you know yeah. what 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 happened there? I don't I don't think anything happened. Um, you know, it's not like I saw the, the the grid. You know, I think the one thing you know you need to understand is, you know, with the under seventeen, we were all high school kids. You know, so I my literally my that world championship in Japan in ninety three was when uh, I was actually supposed to graduate from high school. So hmm. I was a kid back then. So you you take the natu- natural progression from there, like any other person did in, the, you know, in America at that time. You, you finish up high school and you go to college. And, you know, my progression, you know, from there was I went to UNC Charlotte. At the same time, I, I started going into under-20 national team camps. Um, when I was still in high school, uh, and, and I was the only high school kid uh, that that first year uh, with the under twenties. Everybody else was already freshman in college. I was still in high school, so 
uh, nothing really happened. You know, I, I continued on the progression from 17s to 20s, and then eventually I went to college. The under 20s back then did not qualify. Um, you know, they didn't get out of CONCACAF. So it was kind of, that was the end of the under 20s for that go-around. Um, you know, I spent three years at Charlotte right after my junior year, uh, or junior season. Um, that was when the goalkeeper coach, Eric Bonner, and I, you know, had, had made a plan that I, you know, I wanted to turn pro. And, and he was basically in charge of letting me know when he felt I was ready. And, and the reason I put so much trust into him back then was, you know, he had so many professional goalkeepers coming and training with us at Charlotte. You know, guys like Mike McGinty, guys like Jeff Duback, guys, you know, Aiden Heaney, guys like that that, that I really looked up to. And, and I was very fortunate to be in an environment where these guys were big-time pros coming to train at, at UNC Charlotte. And that really, you know, kind of lit the fire in my belly to say, that's what I want to do. Um, you know, so after that third season there, uh, when we went to the Final Four, you know, we sat down and, and had a discussion and, uh, you know, he felt it was time for me to, to move on. And, you know, he had a whole game plan, which, again, I trusted 100% because he'd been through it. And I'd never been through it before where, you know, I, I had opportunities to jump right into the MLS then. Um, but, you know, the, the question he, he threw at me from day one was, you know, do you want to be here for two or three years as a pro, or do you want to be here in 10 and 15 years down the road? Um, and, and obviously, the, you know, the answer to that is I want to be here as long as I can. And that led us in a direction of, okay, the next step is not to jump into the MLS because you're, you know, you're not going to survive and you're not going to be ready to go there. And back then, there was no reserve leagues, there was no, you know, no USL teams like there are today. So I would not have been, you know, not have been playing, not have been ready to play, and I probably would have fallen by the wayside. So our plan instead was to get me into the USL and to allow me the opportunity to play games and to develop as a goalkeeper. Um, and, and that was, you know, from Carolina to, you know, to, uh, Virginia Beach for three years after that, and then my last year was in Hershey. Um, and, and that allowed me to get over 100 games as a professional before I was ready to jump into the MLS. And, and that was that was a natural progression, again, for the bigger picture. And everything we did was for the big picture, to ultimately still be sitting here today, 20 years later, talking to you about it, yeah. you know? Um you know, so it was. It wasn't like you know, I fell off the grid or something didn't go right or anything like that. This was at that time that this was the natural and the and the perfect progression for me to be able to learn to be a pro the proper way. You know, start start on the buses and ride the buses up and down the East Coast mm-hmm. and, and kind of grind it out and, and learn what it you know it means and what it takes to be a pro. Um, because especially back then. You know, I, I think back to the team that we had in Carolina Dynamo, and I mean, we had five or six guys who played for Nottingham Forest back in the day when they were the big team in England. Um, and one guy that jumps out of my head is a gentleman named Robert Rosario. Now, if you look him up, you know, he is in in, 
in their folklore over there at Nottingham Forest. I mean, he was a legend, and, and I had no idea who he was until one day I I sat down and talked to him about it in in Carolina during preseason, and and it was just it was amazing to be around these guys and to learn, you know, what it is. I mean, one of the funniest stories I I always tell the kids now because I think it's so much different now, but. The very first day of preseason in Carolina, you know, we, we didn't have a locker room. We didn't have any of that. We, we trained at, a, you know, like a town park. And, you know, we washed our own training gear. Hmm. I was the rookie, so I had the balls and the Gatorade coolers and <laughs> my, my pathfinder. And, and the first day, Rosario, Robert Rosario came over to me and said, hey, you're the kid, right? I said, yeah. Hi, I'm John Bush. Nice to meet you. And he says, oh, I'm Bobby. And he handed me his cleats. He goes, I expect these polished every day and you bring them back every morning. <laughs> and I had no idea. Yeah, I, I was just standing there. I thought this was like a joke or something, like, you know, welcome to the team. But he was dead serious because this is the way he was, you know, obviously brought up in England. And every day, from then till the end of the season, I took his boots after training. I brought them home. I polished them. I brought them back the next morning, you know, and, and they taught me how to be a pro. Um... You know, so it was, it was funny, but at the same time, you know, this was, this was part of the way things went. Um, so I was very fortunate to be able to, to be brought up in, in those kind of environments, you know. And mm-hmm. then, so that's kind of how we got from, you know, 17s all the way up into uh, getting into Columbus. Yeah. And, and you kind of hit it on there a little bit, but I was wondering if you can go into more detail of what the actual benefit of a young player is with with more of an experienced player so for goalkeepers especially going into your situation with indy now it's just kind of assumed that uh you know the current goalie there keith cardona is well he's a young goalkeeper he'll be with john bush and that'll be good for him you know what, what does that look like when a younger player is with an older player and can you give us kind of two sides of the coin on that yeah you know obviously uh for years i was the young kid you know and i and i learn from Scott Garland and Pat Onstead and guys that really put their arm around me and, and not only showed me what it takes to be a pro, but, but talked to me about it. And and now, you know, on the flip side of it, you know, I, I'm that guy, you know, helping people, you know, and, and, and I enjoy doing that because, like I said, those guys did it for me and, and now it's my turn to give it back. So, I, you know, I've done some research on Keith already and, you know, I, I know he's a very young, talented goalkeeper. Um, you know, one of the major things that I've learned over the years is, you know, these young kids, they're very talented when they come out of college, you know, and, and they, by the time they're done college, they're usually at the top of the, kind of the pecking order, if you will, you know, and, and you go from the top back down to the bottom when you turn pro, and you've got to do it all over again, and you, you kind of have to, get back and, and, you know, put your head down and grind again and, and learn. And it's, you know, it's, it, it's all goalkeeping. It's all the same. It's just, you know, you're doing it at a, at a higher level. You're doing it at, on a more consistent basis in a longer season, you know, and, and, <clears throat> excuse me. And then, you know, the biggest thing in the pros is doing it consistently day in, day out, you know, six days out of seven, most likely during a week, and for, you know, ten and a half months a year. And that's that's the biggest difference when you're young to, to compare yourself to when you get older is, you know, when it's go time, when you're a senior pro, you know, whether you feel great or you're, you know, you're tired, you're hurt or whatever, you know that when you step on that field, it's, it's time to train and it's time to play and everything else goes by the wayside. 
you know, and I think that's one of the things when you're younger, you know, it's a little bit harder to separate, and, and that's, you know, one of the things that I've learned from the guys before me, and, and I try to instill on the, the guys that I've worked with over the last handful of years, whether it was, you know, guys like Evan Newton in, in San Jose, or, you know, Sean Johnson's here in Chicago, or Alex Kahn here in Chicago, you know, I've, I've tried to, you know, tell them these little things, because there's, there's no secret, it's all goalkeeping, it's just, you know, can you do it on a consistent basis, day in and day out, and then not let your level, you know, that your bad days should not be far off from your good days, and, and you know, that, Scott Garlic always used to say to me, don't let your highs be too high and your lows be too low, you know, keep it very consistent, and, and mm-hmm. that's the way you're going to be around for a long, long time, you know, so that's something I've always kept in my mind, and, and try to do on a daily basis of, you know, of keep myself consistent, whether I'm, you know, whether it's a, a Tuesday morning playing small-sided or it's a Saturday night, you know, playing in front of 20,000 people. I want to be consistent day in and day out. Right, right. And, and also at Indy 11, you're going to be the director of goalkeeping, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So um, part of me deciding to, you know, to, to go over to Indy, um, you know, is the fact that they're giving me the opportunity to obviously a continue to play, but also start learning the coaching side of things. So, um, you know, I will be the director of goalkeeping for the club, which uh, you know, right now they don't have a youth academy, but it's something you're talking about. Um, but I will, you know, I'll be in charge of the goalkeepers for the MPSL team that they have there. You know, I'll, I'll be the goalkeeping coach for the team to, excuse me, to work with Keith as well. Um, so there's a lot of options for me to start learning the craft of being a goalkeeper coach because then, you know, probably one to two two years from now, you know, I'll, I'll be hanging them up as, as a player and I'll be completely focusing on becoming a goalkeeper coach. So this allows me the opportunity to, kind of start down that path while I'm still playing. Sure, sure. And you just hit on it right there. You, know, you talked about retirement. How, how does that, how have you played that sort of situation? You know, what keeps you still in the game? I mean, you're, we talked about, talked about being 17, which may seem like a lifetime ago at, at this point. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what, you know, yeah, how, how does retirement play in your head now? And I guess what's that line for you? Like, okay, now I've hit that point, you know, I'm done playing. You know, honestly, I mean, I I don't put much stock in it. You know, everybody says, oh, you know, you're, you're this, you're, you know, you're 39 years old. I mean, to me, age is, is just a number. You know, I, I've known plenty of goalkeepers uh, that have been pros that have retired in their late 20s because, you know, because they're either over it or their bodies haven't held up. You know, I've been fortunate. You know, I've had my injuries like everybody else, but I've been fortunate. You know, my body, you know, feels very good. My mind feels good. You know, the biggest thing is, is, A, I love being a goalkeeper. I love everything about it. I, I, I think I actually love training more than I love games at this point in my career. Um, so I love going out every day and training as, you know, as hard as I can and trying to get better as a goalkeeper. I'm, I'm 39 and I still want to get better. You know, and I think that's the, that's the biggest thing is, you know, I, I want to improve as a goalkeeper. And I'm, I am open to anybody helping me do that. You know, um, so the drive is still there. You know, I, I think when you lose the drive, 
you know, that that's the time, no matter what your age is, that's the time where you say, you know what, I don't have the drive to go out, or I don't have the, the drive to, to go into the gym today and, and, you know, do my lifting or do my box jumps or whatever is going to, you know, help benefit me. And when you lose that, you know, you might as well just hang them up because you're not going to be prepared. Um, you know, so for me, the retirement thing is funny because, you know, I, I, I think I've said it for probably the last five or six years that I take it year by year. And at the end of the season, I see how I feel physically, mentally. I see how my body reacts. I see how I play. You know, I don't want to be a guy who is hanging around and, you know, tells the story, well, five years ago, I could have done that or I could have saved that. You know, I don't want to be that guy. Um, you know, and, and I have a good group of people around me that know that that's how I feel. And the day that if I don't see it, the day that I can't do it anymore at the level I want to do it on a daily basis, I have told them, tell me it's time to walk away, and I will walk away. You know, I, I, like I said, I keep my standards very high, and I'm very demanding of myself, but I don't want to let that slip. So, you know, I, I know it's coming closer <laughs> you know, to the end and the beginning, um, I, I, I honestly can't put a number on it. You know, it, it could be at the end of this season. It, it could be, you know, in, in two more years. You know, my wife thinks I'm going to last three to five more years. I don't know if that's <laughs> possible. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just take it year to year because I love playing so much and I'm so I'm so focused on it that, you know, it, you know if, I, if I feel good, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep going because, you know, as I've been told, you're a long time retired after your playing career is done. So, you know, why not do what you love and you've done all your life? Why not do it as long as you can and as long as your body, uh, you know, your body can do it? Sure, sure. Um All right, well, I'm going to end here. I'll give you, 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 you bragged about being an open book, so I'm going to, I'm going to test you a little bit here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, so this will be of increasingly more difficult question for you, I guess. But, okay, so first one, I guess kind of easy. Uh, but who's the best goalkeeper you've ever played against or or been on the same team with and why? What's that out about them? Hands down, without even a doubt, Casey Keller. Um, and I've, I've been both. I've been with him with the national teams. I sat behind him on a World Cup qualifier back in, oh, God, um, maybe 2000. Five, maybe it was down in Mexico City. It was my third ever national team game, hmm. um, and uh, he he was he was awesome. And not only was he awesome in the game and in training, but he put, I, I really remember sitting with him on the, the plane home from Mexico and asking him questions about the game. And he sat there and answered every one of them and gave me his thoughts and opinions um, on why he did certain things during the game. Uh, he, he made all the time in the world for me. Um, you know, the one thing, you know, it's funny, I was just training the other day and I was talking to one of the boys I was training with about him. Um, and one of the things that I remember about him in training in one of the camps was you could not beat him. We were playing small-sided games, and you gotta, you got to remember who was in these camps back in the day. Claudio, Brian McBride, guys playing in Europe at the highest level. And we were playing small-sided, and they could not beat him. And, and it just it just absolutely amazed me that, you know, that, that, that he was literally saving everything coming at him, you know, no matter what it was. And it was just so impressive to see. 
Um, and, and like I said, the time that he spent with me, you know, as a young guy, as a young goalkeeper, that was, like I said, that was only my third national team game. So it was probably maybe two to three camps in or something like that with Bruce. Um, that, that he would give me the time of day and spend the time with me. Um, and then obviously over the years, once he finally came back to Seattle, you know, playing against him, it was the same thing. You know, it was, you know, it, it, it was always very hard to, to beat Casey. You always knew playing against him that he was going to be ready to play, regardless of, you know, how he felt or how old he was or what was going on with his team. You know, he was a consummate professional, and it, it always took something very special to beat him. Yeah. Uh, I, I won't hold it against you. You didn't say Stan Anderson, so I'll, I'll let that one slide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Stan, Stan's a good buddy of mine, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't even think there's videotape of this. Like, <laughs> so I, think it's, uh, I think it's one of those urban myths that he was a pro. I'm not sure. We'll have to check it. Yeah. There may there may be some like cave paintings or something of it, you know. Who, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, your ne- next question here. What's one game you like to have back? Just looking back of okay, maybe I didn't play you know that great, or maybe just one save yet. It wasn't your best, but you know you could have made a better shot on it. What's something looking back there like? Yeah. Oh. I mean that's that's part of goalkeeping, right? Like you, you look at every goalkeeper throughout the world, you know, no matter if it's De Gea, no matter if it's Victor Valdez or whatever. There's always one or two saves that, you know, saves in a season that, you know, or lack thereof of a save, if you will, that you think, God, I could have done better in that. Um, and and it, no matter how good of a form you're in, uh, it, it always happens at some point uh, during the season. And then the two that kind of pop into my head uh, on that question is uh, there was one game a couple years ago uh uh, in San Jose against Dallas. I uh, actually started the game really well, made two or three good saves. Uh, they were all over us. And then, unfortunately, it just kind of spiraled out of control. Um, one of the goals was I got I got caught leaning a little, the ball deflected off one of my defenders, and it was kind of hit at my feet, but I was already starting to step and go right. And I tried to kind of re, you know rebalance myself and, and scoop it up. I kind of just got my hands to it and just kind of bounced off of them a couple yards and somebody knocked in a rebound. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, we, were, we, we got soundly beat, so it wasn't the difference in the game. But, you know, that one that was one of the ones that, that comes to mind. It was just one of those games where, you know, things just didn't bounce my way. And then um, the other one that comes to mind was here this year. Um, I think it was one of my early games playing. Same kind of situation, uh, defender in front of me, uh, Jeff Dorantowicz and, and Giovinco hit a ball. It wasn't that hard of a shot. Uh, it was going down to my right, and as it comes through Jeff's legs, it goes, it comes off his calf and goes back to my left. So again, now I'm kind of stuck, starting to go down to my right. Um, and it's a save that we've all made hundreds of times in training sessions where you stick out your foot and, you know, you, you basically either kick it away or block it with your foot. As I went to, to swing and, and kind of kick it with my foot, it actually kind of bounced up a little higher than I thought. And it, it actually came off kind of the top outside of my foot and ended up going in the goal. And, I mean, it looks terrible. And you sit there and go, oh, my God, that, that's embarrassing. Um, but like I said, unfortunately, 
you know, any goalkeeper, we have these situations every season that one or two, you're always like, ah, I could have done better. But uh, for me, that one sticks in my mind, too, just because, you know, I, I wanted to make a, you know, come back to Chicago and make a good impression. And, and I was in a good rhythm. You know, I think that was the second game I played, and I was man of the match the first game um, against Vancouver. And then, uh, you know, we ended up winning the game against Toronto, so at the end of the day, it was, you know, in essence, forgotten. But for me... You know, you, you know, I always remember the ones that got away, per se, sure. rather than the, the big save that I made. So those, those are the two that, that, that come to mind right away when you ask that question. Yeah. Well, I, I'm pretty sure I even remember that, that goal with Chicago. And I even remember thinking, like, man, like, I mean, on a much smaller scale, it was frustrating for me of, like, seeing that thinking like man he like not only do i know he's upset about it like obviously like any pro would be but just thinking like man he is so much better than like what anyone would just see of like oh you know that's a mistake by the goalie like no you don't get it like that that's just such an anomaly so no i I remember i definitely remember that last one i think i I remember the dallas one as well but um yeah but okay so actually yeah okay so last question here and, oh, actually, I wanted to ask you about the CBA, if, if we have some time on that. But, okay, yeah, two, yeah. two more you questions here. You want. Okay, all right, you good, good, good. All right, last two here, then. Okay, so um, give, give me a little bit about misconceptions about being a short goalie. And I think probably the biggest thing is just uh, how you handle your box. And, you know, it's kind of assumed of, like, oh, you're short, so you can't really do it. Or, you know, it's trickier. So I guess just kind of go over that real quick. But then I guess the bigger question is, you know, would you have – you know, do you think you'd be a better goalie – if you could add some height to you, you know, not not dogging or anything, but you are a little bit undersized as far as the average goalie goes. So, you know, if if you were six three, do you think you would have been a better goalie? Uh, well, we'll start at the beginning of that that two part question there. Um, you know, I've I've heard the same thing since I was fourteen. You know, so you know, whatever. Twenty five years later, I guess now I'm still hearing the same thing, <laughs> and you know, it, it's never going to go away, and, and and that's fine. I've learned to deal with it. I think the biggest thing um, for me is I, over all my years, especially you know, once I started getting into college and, and had to get bigger and stronger and deal with more cross balls, and, and it's just something you you deal with. You either learn to adapt and, and deal with them. Um, or you're not going to survive. And, and I spent so much time, so much extra time, you know, dealing with crosses from different angles and dealing with getting, you know, getting run into by bigger guys and uh, just dealing with, you know, okay, maybe I can't catch that because I'm not as tall, but, you know, I still can get to it and I can box it and I can deal with getting run into or, or figuring out a way to, you know, to get around the contact and still deal with the ball. So, for me, I think, you know, the height issue is, is only something that, you know, people that don't understand the position talk about. You know, for me, it's not it's not like a handicap, if you will. It's just something you deal with. And, and for me, I, you know, I spent the extra time dealing with, you know, what comes from being a smaller goalkeeper and, and how you overcome that. Um, you know, and... and so for me, I think, you know, honestly, I'm probably one of the, 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 the most consistent, you know, when I do come off my line because I know what I'm going to be able to get to and know what I'm going to be able to catch and what I'm going to be able to box. You know, I've, I've seen plenty of guys over the years that are, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", that misjudge crosses and nobody's around them. And, you know, it's not like they're getting bumped or anything and they just misjudge it, mistime it, and next thing you know it's in the back of the net. So... 
you know, it's, it's not necessarily a height thing. It's more of, you know, more of just a training thing and, and more of a technical side. Um, you know, so as far as that, I don't, you know, I, I don't worry about it because, like I said, I, you know, I've, I've heard that people talk about, you know, the lack of height since I was 14. Um, and, and yet I'm still around. So obviously it has not been an issue. Um, as far as do I think I would be better or, you know, done more if I was 6'3", I, I honestly, I don't know. You know, I I don't think so personally because I think if you look at my resume, you know, uh, and, and I don't believe a lot in stats or believe a lot in any of that. But you know, if, if you look at what I've done, you know, I think there's very few American goalkeepers that have done what I've done. You know, and and you know, I I refuse to give in to you know to the stereotype, well, you know, he, you know, he's a good goalie, but he's small. You know, at the end of the day, I've lasted 20 years. And not just lasted, I've, you know, I've, I've done a lot in this game in, in 20 years. And, and like I said, for me, it was, you know, it's all about proving people wrong. And I I still do it to this day. I, I have a chip on my shoulder, and, and I'll be the first to admit that I've had it from day one, and I'll have it till the day I retire. Um... You know, I, I love when people bet against me, and I love that people. Okay, you know, now it's all you know. He's a good goalie, but he's he's getting up there in age. You know, well, these are the guys who don't see me in the weight room. They don't see me training on the field. They don't see the time I put into perfecting my craft. You know, and, and so they don't they don't know any better. Um, so for me, it's it, it's fun proving these people wrong. Um, you know, so again, going back to your question, um, you know. I, I don't honestly I don't know I don't I don't think so you know I I had and not many people know this and and you know I don't really ever talk about it but you know I I had my time in Liverpool back in the day and from what I heard uh, many years after they were very close to signing me at one point and I and I had no idea when I was there I just went over because Peter Miller sent me over to train one summer. Uh, before I went back to UNC Charlotte. And it turns out, years later, we find out that they actually wanted to sign me, but back then, it was work permit-wise, and there was no, no chance at hell I was ever going to get a work permit. <laughs> um, you know, so, again, I, I, you know, uh, for me, I, I never even think of, well, what if I was, you know, 6'1", or 6 foot or 6, you know, like, maybe if I was that tall, maybe I would have had, you know, an issue dealing with a low ball or, or playing with my feet or, you know, who knows what would, what would come about from being taller, you know? Yeah, maybe I could, you know, catch something higher, or, uh, you know, in, in the positive, but maybe there would be another negative, you know, along the way because I'm high and because I'm taller, you know? And, and so, you know, for me, I've, I'm, I'm thoroughly happy with, you know, kind of who I am and, and, and as far as my, you know, my body and my height and all that. You know, like I said, I think, you know, if you look at MLS over the history, and there's been some amazing goalies, you know, the guys I look up to, Scott Garland and Pat Onstead and guys like that. But if you look at, you know, you, you look at the history of the league and probably two of the most consistent over, you know, the 20-whatever year, 20-plus years of the league uh, are the two shortest guys that have ever been in the league. <laughs> you know, John Bush, John Bush, and Nick Raimondo. Right. So, right. you know, I, I think there's, you know, there's positives to 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 being 
a little bit shorter sometimes. Sure. Well, and I always thought it was interesting too. Whenever uh, typically over six four, the you know a goalie six five six six, then they say, "Oh wow, he's such a big goalie," and it's just kind of assumed that like it comes along that he is good, which. I always thought it was interesting because you can see the lack of mobility. Like, yes, that you know they have a huge height, and you know crosses they they typically are just towering over everyone else. But it it doesn't seem like it's too often that a goal was scored just because they were an inch too short, or you know it's something. That it always seemed like there was something more at play. I just thought it was interesting. Of oh, they're six six and they must be amazing goalie. Like, well, you know, not not quite exactly, but yeah, I mean, again, and that you know that's that. For me, that started more in, in England back in the day because, yeah, all the goalies back then, I mean, they were, you know, six four and above. I mean, you know, even when Ian Fuhrer played over there, you know, he's Ian's six 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 seven. he's a monster, you know. Um, but as, as the games change and as, it, as, you know, soccer's progressed throughout the world, you know, some, some of the best are, are barely over, you know, six foot and maybe even six foot. I mean... You know, you look at Casillas, you know, one of the guys that I that I really followed over the years was Shea Gibbon. You know, played for Newcastle, then went to Man City, you know, then Aston Villa, now he's at Stoke, you know, and, uh, you know, he says he's over six foot. I, I can guarantee you just looking at him without not never meeting <laughs> him, I don't think he's over six foot. You know, but he's, he's been one of the best ever playing the premiership. So, for me, again, it's not about hype. You know, it's, it's about the fact that if you can play and you can do what you need to do, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, five nine or if you're six foot nine. You know, it's it's the fact that you can do the business when it's needed to be done. And and I think that's you know, that's what goalkeeper coaches understand, but I think it's you know, it's what people that don't understand the position can't comprehend because like you said, right away they go to well, you know, he's not six foot two, so he's, you know, he's not going to be good, you know, sure. kind of thing. And then, you know, and you know as well as I do, the majority of time on, you know, crosses that are live in a game or even from corner kicks, it's not necessarily about your height. It's about your path to the ball. It's about being able to, to you know, judge it properly and, and get into your jump and get into your spring to be able to, Sure. You know, to catch it above everybody else. So that's more of a timing and technical aspect than necessarily, well, you know, he, he's tall, so he can catch that kind of thing. Sure. Right, right. Um, all right, well, last question. This is actually the last question. I want to trick you here. Um, and, and the only reason I brought this up is because, you know, not quite this time last year, but whenever the CBA was being dealt for, for MLS, that it was a lot of, Older players, or just players that had been in the league for a while that were being involved or speaking out. And I really couldn't find anything on your name. And so I guess I was just curious of, you know, how involved were you with that? And was that something you were just like, hey, hands off? Or, you know, was there something that you were really pushing for? Or um, I, a, a few different a few different thoughts when you, when you talk about the CBA. Um, first and foremost, you know, I... I used to be a rep, and it started in Columbus. Um, I, you know, Ricky Cottrell and I were the two reps back in the day in Columbus. So in my early days, I yes, I was you know uh, one of the guys who spoke up um, in regards to many of those issues. You know, as it's progressed, and as I you know kind of you know stepped aside from that kind of stuff, I, I still voice my opinions when when needed or when asked about. 
but it's more for the next generation uh, to to learn to learn the topics, to learn what's important, what's not important, you know. And and uh, you know, it's, it's I've been I've been very fortunate, uh, you know. A lot. Uh, I grew up a hockey guy, and, and a lot of my buddies um, that I that I have presently that play in the NHL. Uh, you know, when we get close to our CBAs, I talk to those guys a lot about their CBA stuff, you know, and, and, and I, I pick their brains on things. Um, you know, so it, it's interesting to me that, you know, what, what people forget a lot about MLS and the CBA and all that stuff in the players union is the first seven years of the MLS, there was really no players union. There was. But there was a there was a lawsuit going on between the players union at that time. John Kerr Senior was head of the players union, uh, and they were suing the MLS. And so, in essence, the first seven years we really didn't even have a players union per se. You know, so the you know, the CBA and the players union that now exists basically only started what 13, 13 plus you know, give or take a year or two here or there, you know, roughly 13 years ago. So for me, again, being an older guy, I've seen, you know, I, I, I've seen the pendulums, you know, move. And, and that's what you want in any any CBA agreement, you know, whether you're talking MLS, whether you're talking hockey, whether you're talking, you know, any normal job where, you know, it, it's a give and take. Right, so this is if I'm if I'm correct, this is the third CBA that they've done, and you know each year, you know we as players get a little bit more uh, power, control, whatever you want to call it. But you're never going to go from you know A to Z in the alphabet without going through the other letters, and it's the same when you deal with this stuff, you know. So you know this this past one, I listened a lot more than I gave my opinions, but it, you know, at, at crucial times, you know, some of the younger guys would lean on, you know, myself and some of the older guys and we would give our, you know, cause you know, sometimes it's not all about just getting money. You know, there's other attributes, um, uh, you know, about, you know, player safety and players, you know, uh, health and all that kind of stuff that comes into to play, you know, if you look at this, you know, there's more and more teams being added, which means more and more games, which means more and more travel. You know, well, you know, things you, things that people don't think about also are recovery, you know, and can we, you know, how do we keep the level at such a high standard with more games being added, um, but yet still have the proper recovery times after games and, and do the right stuff to prepare for the next game so you know it's it's not always about the bottom dollar it's it's about all these other things that go along with it you know can we down the road and, and this is something that you know personally that i've always thought about is you know um you play you play on a saturday night in new york well you can't get a flight back saturday night so you're there until sunday morning usually you're on the first flight out on a sunday morning you know now depending on how far you got to go you know, you may get home at 12 o'clock on a Sunday. You may not get home if you're going across country. You may not get home till middle of the afternoon. And then you're back in on Monday. So your your day off, per se, was spent in airports. You know, so things like that, that, you know, can eventually, can we get, you know, 
private planes like all the other sports have that as soon as the game ends, you're on your way to the airport and you're flying home. So at least, you know, you may get home late, but at least you're spending the night in your own bed and that Sunday, which is supposed to be your day off, is truly your day off because you're recovering. Um, you know, so there's a, there's a lot more that goes into these CBAs that I think, you know, a lot of people understand. Again, for me, you know, being older and knowing that uh, I'll be I'll be well gone by the time the next this CBA runs out. Um, I, you know, I, I did listen a lot more this time than the last couple go rounds. Um, yeah, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, I love playing soccer, and I I didn't want to I didn't want to not be playing soccer either. So uh, you know that that was for me that was the most important. And let's you know let's find a way to to get a you know get some sort of deal done. That benefits both sides, and let's let's keep playing. So uh, yeah, there's always going to be give and take, and and every year, it's, you know, every couple of years when it's time for the CBA to be discussed again, you know, hopefully the players continue to get a bit more power each time, and the pendulum continues to move towards the player side. But at the end of the day, we also all have to be realistic that this league's only been around for 20 plus years. It's not like baseball. It's not like basketball or football that's been around. For many, many more years, you know, so we all have to be realistic in that situation as well.